know about that? You know anything about Bare Naked Ladies? No, I don't. That was the name of the band. It's the band that sings the uh, the theme song to the Big Bang Theory TV show. That show's so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Chickity China, the Chinese chicken. Had the drumstick, but your brain starts sticking. Watching X Files with no lights on. Nope, never heard it. Like Harrison Ford, I'm getting frantic. Harrison Ford doesn't get frantic. He's cool as a cucumber. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. How you doing, Megan? I'm good. You ready for this conversation today? Oh, yeah. You think so? Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Get it? (laughs) That's on the podcast, everybody. (laughs) We're going to talk about hell. Uh, Man, and I missed so, a chance to really do it the first time, though. Yeah, well, I thought maybe we could call the episode Hell Now. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, one way or the other. I don't know. I mean, nobody's going to say it like that when they see it, you think? Uh, I don't know how else I would see it if if it was spelled H-E-L-L-N-A-W. Oh. Hell Now. Yeah, maybe. I, people are already offended. I don't think this is going to be a very offensive... Is that an offensive thing to say? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why it would be. Um, I mean, I wasn't. Think it's yeah. Are you allowed to like say it on TV? A curse word. Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah. Hell has been. Hell has been in G-rated movies. Yeah. It used to be like, the yeah. I mean, I, I was never allowed to say that word, other like in that context. <laughs> but yeah, there was like a a tier of words, and hell is at the very bottom of it, mm-hmm. as far as curse words are concerned. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, we are. We're gonna talk about uh, hell. I think before we like jump straight into it, and we are gonna kind of jump straight into it today, just because I think the content and the things that we have to share are really rich and and good and and redemptive and mm-hmm. um and nice uh, to talk about. But before that, maybe give a little bit of an explanation as to w- why we're going here, um, because I think. You know, we've been talking about Matthew chapter 6 for a while, Jesus' teachings on prayer. Um, Before that, we talked about um, some other teaching of Jesus in the scriptures. Like, we just kind of, those are the places we go when we have nowhere else to go. We're just like, well, we're going to talk. We're going to study. We're going to grow. We're going to try to, um, so we go to Matthew 5, 6, 7, Matthew 25, like over and over and over again. And we say, if we have no other subject that is more pressing Mm-hmm. Um, then we can never exhaust ourselves on the character and teachings of Jesus. No. And so we do that. Yeah. Um, but here recently, I feel like we have had, um, you and I, a bit of a desire and started to, you know, really feel from, from some risen church people. And, you know, maybe, it's, maybe it springs up out of our own life as much as anything, but, but also with some talks to people where we want to talk about some things that we've never talked about before in church. Yeah. I think with the new model that we're, the, the, de- the deconstructed church experience right. that we're kind of laying out, mm-hmm. we give ourselves opportunity to have some conversations that we never really had right. in church settings before. Um, it didn't, it never quite worked right for me. It's not that I'm afraid to be controversial or go into the forays oh, of, we know that. of places <laughs> <Just> and, <laughs> and conversations that, that not everybody maybe sees eye to eye on. We, we've talked politics before. We've talked race before. Um, 
but some of these other subjects we've never really talked about human sexuality and i think we may want to do that over the course of the next couple of months at some Mm -hmm. point we've never talked about um marriage yeah uh, and and i think we we may want to talk about that pretty soon yeah and we've never talked about atonement theology and and things like you know the, the concepts of what kind of god is it that has to that has to kill his son in order for mm. us to be reconciled. Like that's, you know, for us, we kind of take that stuff for granted, but I do think that it's stuff that needs to be talked about in a, in a really honest and, and blunt way and say like, well, what does that tell us about God? And, and is that really, um, and then, you know, at the top of the list for me, and I don't know if it is for everybody, but at the top of the list of things that I just like, we really need to talk about that yeah. as the church is hell. Uh, we need to talk about hell. Yeah. So, um, that's what we're going to do okay. uh, for at least the next three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to talk through some points that we have about what, what we believe about hell. Now I'll say this again at the end of this. Um, but you don't have to believe the same things we believe. Uh, nope. and also anybody who's a part of risen church today, uh, I don't think you'll be too surprised to, be- to hear that basically all the stuff that I'm going to say that I believe right now, I've believed for as long as you've known me. Uh, I've, I've right. thought this way, you know, mostly these ways they are, they're always evolving. But yeah. Mostly I've thought these ways for 10 or 12 years now. Uh, it's just not something I've ever really talked about in explicit detail. Right. But I think this is a good setting for it. Yeah. So how do you think? What do you want You want to jump right in? Okay. Um, first page is not necessary. That's nope. for the video sermon that we're going to share together. We'll do that. One later. down. One page down. Did you hear? Could everybody hear that? I think. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> also, if you could hear that, you could probably hear that our washing machine is about to take off. Sorry about that. Yeah, it's probably not too noticeable. Actually, okay. that little low hum. Um. Yeah. Let's. All so right. Let's, let's think about as we're reading. Let's think yep. about what's a good title. Yeah. Um, let's think about what parts of this do you want to cover? Because I do think we should do the video together again. I think it's way better. Okay. Um, if nothing else. Did I, I sign a contract already without knowing? I don't know. Oh, um, but the, the people of Risen Church have spoken. And after six months of me saying, you guys got to listen to the podcast. It's just better because Megan's there. Well, we've they now, just need to listen to the podcast. We've now <laughs> arrived at like, well, why wouldn't you be there on the video too? <laughs> if she makes everything so. Because it's a lot more work for me to be on the video <laughs> than it is on the podcast. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. So if you end up being on the video, just kind of maybe thinking of and making some notes there of like, here's a part that I would like to cover. I'd like to, you know, I'd like mm-hmm. for this to be my part to talk about if. If you come across anything like that. Okay. okay. All right. So to get the the thing started, Megan. All right. um, What do you think about when you hear the word hell? Volcano. Yeah. Me too. That's what I think about. Me too. Like the deepest pit of the volcano, like where the magma and the like, I guess it's just magma and rocks (laughs) and fire are. Sulfur. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Hell is. But I've never actually seen a volcano. That's kind of crazy, like isn't it? Inside of every time I see like videos or pictures of a of a volcano, yeah, it's kind of like I don't know if I've said this on this podcast or if this is just a conversation I've had with friends. I know I've had it with you. There's certain animals, yeah, that I don't really believe in, like like Kodiak bears, like those really <laughs> oversized bears. <laughs> to me, they literally look 
like conceptually. <laughs> I've I never even heard of a Kodiak bear before. I cannot convince myself that that's actually an animal. Like yeah. it just looks like a costume mm. or some. I made think up more thing sea creatures are me. like that for me. I feel that way about a lot of sea a creatures. A lot of uh, sea creatures. And I've even seen like killer whales, orcas mm-hmm. uh, in person, like at mm-hmm. SeaWorld or whatever. I don't buy it. I just don't believe it. Like, my you think they brain, just painted something? Yeah, but it's so weird. Like, I don't understand what the what's the play there. Like, what's the? Um, uh, it's true. Why would they? But it doesn't seem real to me. I cannot convince myself that it's actually a real thing. Yeah, I feel like I would feel that way if I saw a moose in person. Like, just certain yeah. large animals. I just don't believe. Anyways, volcanoes are the same way for me. I see yeah. pictures of them. I see videos, and I'm like, that's not real, though. Yeah. It's not like that's really... Not like they're really going to, like, explode or... It's not like there's really lava on the Earth. Right. But there is, and that's so weird. It's so weird, yeah. That is really weird. Okay, so you have volcano um, comes Mm -hmm. to mind whenever you think of hell. Um, Do you remember doing Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames? Oh, do I remember. Uh, (laughs) I was in it. So anybody who's listening who doesn't know about this... Why don't you go ahead and give them a rundown? There was also, there were other things like um, a lot of Baptist churches and, and uh, well, I don't know, in my area it was Baptist churches that did uh, Judgment House was a similar yeah. thing. But we did Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. It was this massive production. Mm-hmm. And you know more about it than I do because it was your church, not mine. Yeah. Well, and I had a big role in it too. You were in it? Yeah. Well, what, well did you go to heaven okay. or hell? I will tell us what, well, how does it work? What's okay, the, so basically, from what I can remember, I mean, this was a long time ago, but you put on this play for people. You invite, and it's a big I'm gonna push. I'm going to give you a pop filter if you don't settle down over there. What? Put on this play oh. for people. <laughs> Look at your spikes. Oh, wow. Look that is pretty look. spiky. It looks like big contractions. <laughs> 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 um, so you would put on put on this play for people um, <laughs> that you could invite that you wanted to get saved. Okay. And so basically this, uh, it was a bunch of different stories. Like little skits. Um, scenarios. Yeah. Yeah. Little skits um, all combined like into this one production. Um, and it showed like it would go through um, different stories. So for, for example, my part of the, the play, the my skit was me and my mom um, not my real mom, my my mom in the play, of course, okay. were um, at, at this shopping center at this mall. And we were in this. Oh, this is terrible. Now that I'm thinking about this, this yeah. is well, we so need to talk about bad. Um, so we're in the shopping center and we were coming out of it. And we were, I think we were just pedestrians. Okay. I can't quite remember. We, either we were pedestrians or we were in a car. But I think we were pede- pedestrians and we were struck by a car. Um, both of us. And we died. Okay. So, you know. we. we How old were you when you were in the play? When I was in the play? Yeah. Um, oh, man. 12, 13? Pro- yeah. 11, 12. Okay. No, no. No, no, no. I was older than that. I was 12 or 13. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you were 12 when I met you. For yeah, the first so time I, was, ever I could have been 14, 13, so 14. 13, yeah. um, but I played like a, I was a seven-year-old girl or something like that. I was pretty, I was pretty tiny. I was a, yeah. a wee lad. Yeah. Lattice, lattice, <laughs> lass, <laughs> lattice. <laughs> a wee lattice. <laughs> yeah. 
lass, lads and lasses. Lass. You were a wee lass. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so anyways, me and my mo- fake mom were struck by this car and we were killed. And so then like lights go down and lights come back up and we're now at like, um, like the judgment zone. The judgment zone. That's a pretty I good guess, way of putting it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like we're just in this Yeah. Well don't ask me because I know what I know why you're asking me because you want to know like what's the scriptural terminology for this? And I would just say, Well, there isn't No, any. This I is know. All made I'm up. trying to think of like what it would <laughs> what it would be considered. Like I'm guessing it was like this place it's between gate heaven. heaven's gates and hell's flames. Right. Like it you're, was you're like standing you were in this space. And there was this angel that had this huge book and he's like flipping through the pages and it's real quiet. And all you can hear is the pages flipping. Yeah. And w- he's trying to find our names in this book of life, the right? The Lamb's Book the of Lamb's Life. The Lamb's Book of Life, yeah. yeah. To see who gets to go to heaven and who A gets to go to hell. A very strange little misuse of a uh, quote from Revelation, I think. Yeah. The Lamb's Book of Life. Yeah. A really, a really odd little thing. Wow, yeah. That we clung okay. to as a, yeah. You want to um, get, get your name written in that book as far as this was concerned i don't want right. to like i don't want to like tear down a bunch of stuff like you can believe that if you want to yeah, it's yeah. not i just th- it's to take it for granted that that's like the doctrine of christianity is like well no not most of it yeah not not most orthodox christianity for for hundreds of years didn't exactly have this like the whole goal is to get your name written on god's right. nice list in the lamb's book of life that's pretty new and american anyway. oh, okay well so in my story ends up Finding my name, but not my mom's name. Yeah. So, but for I didn't know, like, you know, and I don't remember exactly how it all played out. But anyways, I remember having to act like, I mean, it was like a terror scene. Like they, the devils and the demons came and they got my mom in front of me. Yeah. And dragged her away. And so then all the lights went like, dun, dun, dun. Yeah, red lights. Yeah. I remember there being red lights and scary music. Yeah, and they dragged um. her away. She's screaming. I had to like scream what did the at devil my mom. Look like? Oh, definitely like he had red, red tights. Was it like red, red ha- tights? And red face, horns, yeah. and black, and had like a cape. And he, he would swish around yeah. and like, yeah. Yeah. It'd be real. Where do we get that w- image? Like that. Have you ever considered where that image comes from? That like this was a church production saying mm-hmm. this is the truth of scripture that we're relaying to you, and the devil comes out with red face paint and mm-hmm. horns mm-hmm. and a tail and tights mm-hmm. with demons working for him. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He looks like Darth Maul. Yeah. From the the Star Wars. Yeah. Franchise. Yeah. So, anyways, okay. and so then the gets it gets it. I, know, it I think it gets a little bit better. Creepier, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, so they take her away, and I'm screaming, screaming. like, And I, man, I got so many compliments after that was over. Like, you did such a great job. It was so believable, and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, thank you. <laughs> but then it's like... The, the trick b- is to pretend that this is real, because that's what the whole thing is <laughs> right, about. Right, exactly. <laughs> I was able to call upon real terror and trauma within my heart. It's really easy. <laughs> I'm 12, by the way. Yeah, right. Um, but then it's like after she goes away, the lights change again. The music changes again. And it's back to this like kind of music. Not happy music. Just, you know, like yeah, back to the lamp, like looking for my name in the lamp. And so then finds my name. And Jesus comes up at the top of the baptistry 
because there was like huge steps up to our baptistry and that's where Jesus was in the play. Um, And I got to go walk up the steps and meet him and I was so happy. I was like jumping and skipping like nothing ever happened. Yep. Forget mom. Yeah. Who cares? Party in the attic, torture in the basement. Right. Take me to the attic. But then it was like this... I mean, how? Uh, so I wanted to say yeah. something okay, like that's just it. That's just all. a fun little like um, another one more question. And I don't mean to pick apart the people of Heaven's Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. Why was Jesus hidden until your name was found? Why wasn't Jesus standing there watching your mom be dragged away to hell, too? I mean, it's his plan, right? Yeah, I don't know. The angels had to do that. He only shows up to see the good stuff. Right. But yeah, the the, the angels witness her being dragged away to hell by red tights guy mm-hmm. and then but he doesn't see that i don't think jesus so. Not only that i can't remember jesus oh i remember yeah. i remember seeing it jesus only comes out for you right um and it's like he didn't even know the hell thing was happening right right which i think is a really telling part i think of the early like falling apart of my theology of this is just kind of like we all we have a really hard time actually reconciling this with the person of Jesus. We have to we have to put Jesus in another room mm-hmm. to deal with this yeah. hell construct. Yeah. Um that we have like Jesus can't stand there and watch that happen. Right. Because Jesus is love for us and this is not a loving thing that's happening to them. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. Yeah, that that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. So to boil it all down, um we have this sort of theology and and let's let's talk for just a second about what it means to be a christian and what other people you know think about us as christians and i would say like that as a christian we have a few things that are core tenets of our faith right right we love our enemies no matter what right we um that's like a first and force first and foremost thing we love god and love people and we love our enemies Mm -hmm. um we forgive 70 times 7 which is another way of saying we forgive infinitely over and over and over again we are nonviolent. We never take violent action against others in the name of Jesus. Jesus, turn the other cheek, right? Go with them the extra mile. Lay down your life for your, your friends, your brothers and sisters, and even your enemies. Um, bless those who persecute you and mock you. We're all of these things. Um, anybody who disagrees with us on these things gets thrown into a volcano where God tortures them forever, right? These are the core ten... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Do you see I f- sorry, where this I'm becomes I a thing that we kind of have to address and sort of say, like, well, wait a second. There's a whole bunch of stuff that we consider Christian, and then this is considered Christian, too. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so I think that's why we should probably talk about it. Yeah. What were you, were you about to say something? Yeah. Like you're, you went somewhere I else. I went somewhere else for a minute. I was just thinking... Um, for I was just thinking back of that story again, and, like... Holy cow, I can't believe that that was me. Like, I was a part of that. You were doing, yeah. I was doing that. You were in the Not like, how dare me. Not And I was attending it and fully believed it. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I guess I, like, if I heard that story, I would think, I wonder if that had any negative effects on that person, on her (laughs) growing up. If you saw a 12-year-old girl in a play today. Yeah, I wonder if that like yeah. affected her later on. Um and yeah, it totally did. Like <laughs> <laughs> like Are you telling me you have trauma? Well, yeah. <laughs> not that I'm, na- I'm not going to cry 
oh, I have trauma. Like, I'm not here to do that. But I will say there were many, many nights after years after that that I would lay in bed awake crying because I didn't know if my brothers were going to go to heaven. Like, that was like a, I can't, I can't let that happen to them. Like, because that was my picture of hell. Yeah, you saw it happen. Yeah. That's crazy. And I mean, that is the point. That That is what the, the play is meant to convey. And beyond the play, as much as we make fun of it, I mean, I think that is what the theology of hell, largely in American evangelicalism in particular, that's the point of it. Yeah. It is to scare the hell out of you, right? It's right. to scare you into heaven, to scare you into the arms of Jesus, yeah. who somehow doesn't exactly even know what's going on with this whole hell thing. He's never, he's nowhere to be seen when that's happening. But yeah. Um, so just to kind of boil it all down, the theology of hell that we inherited, um, and, and perhaps that you did too, the listener, mm. is this. We, we, had, we had this theology. God loves everybody and wants everybody to experience his love in heaven. But the only way to experience that love is to learn and accept some bit of theology, right? Mm-hmm. And then express it in a public way. Romans right, ten right. nine. I quoted it. I've quoted it all my life. I'll continue to quote it. I actually believe there's something really redeeming and powerful about this verse. I just read it differently than I used to. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Mm-hmm. So much of the theology of hell that we inherited basically taught Every person, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, every person is headed for hell unless they get saved. That is the theology we were handed. Right. You're headed for hell unless you get yes. saved. You're born condemned. Mm-hmm. But good news, you don't have to stay that way. Mm-hmm. Unless, of course, you don't believe what I'm saying or nobody ever gets to you to say it or you don't live long enough uh, to actually be able to intellectualize or conte- conceptualize this, or right. maybe you are um, mentally handicapped mm-hmm. in a way that you will never be able to conceptualize and, and mm-hmm. academically understand what I'm talking to you about. But can we just sit with that for a second? Can we just like, before we get into, and, and some of this conversation is heavy and some of it's light. I think mm-hmm. it's more light than heavy um, and more interesting and, and compelling and scripture focused than anything. But can we just sit for a moment with the good news is you are born condemned but you might have a way out. Mm. That is the good news. If the stars are aligned, right? If the <laughs> stars align for you, mm-hmm. then you might have a way out. Yeah. yeah. Those who choose not to accept the gospel are destined for hell. Those who never learn of the gospel are destined for hell. They will be separated from God in this life and punished by God forever after this life. All of that is what I used to mean when I talked about hell. Mm-hmm. Is it what you used to mean? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. If you want to pick up and start like kind of reading through a couple of the notes here, or if you have okay. any other thoughts about any of that. So the question, I think, yeah, we'll get to the question in just yeah. a moment. But yeah. that's what we mean. That's what we assume other people mean. Right. Yeah. Um, that's what I believe the lion's share of the amount of the American evangelical community still means when they talk about hell. That's what I assume most people mean when they talk about hell. So here's the million dollar question that will be the subject of today's conversation and probably a few necessary conversations to follow. Is that 
still what I believe about hell. Is it still what we believe? Yeah. About hell. I wrote it, so I put yeah, I, yeah, sorry. but I think the question, you know, we, this conversation yeah. is do we? Right. Um in short, uh no. Yeah. I don't no. believe that anymore. Do you? Do you believe that same way about hell? No. Um you may find that shocking. You may not. <laughs> Anybody that's listening, if if you know me at all, then you probably don't find that terribly shocking. I've believed I haven't believed in that version of hell for probably at least over 10 years. Maybe it's been a little bit longer than that now. Um, so if you, you know, haven't yeah. known me for more than 10 or 12 years, then you've only ever known this Drew anyways. Like, yeah. so what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not like having a major shift in my faith here, a major change, like everything I've ever said um, uh, about any of this stuff, you know, revolves from a, a place in my theology of hell that I've pretty much been settled at for a while. It's it's been evolving, but um, yeah. Do you have anything to say about that for you? Um, I mean, mine definitely hasn't been that long, but that I've sort of my views have shifted a little bit, or, or have shifted. Um, yeah, but you but you are at a place now where you're starting to say, I'm n- I don't think I believe that anymore. Yeah. That that version of the story, okay. Yeah. Um. Well, not that way. Right. About right. hell. And I think that's what what we're going to be able to get into. I mean, we're going to take yeah. several weeks to do this, but um, so we've never talked about this publicly in a church. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about it, you know, with a lot of people, sort of individually and specifically, and and particularly whenever it comes up, and and we all do this. I just want to know. I, I just want to sort of earmark and and add a little side note that you know we all have ways of dealing with our traumatic theology of hell even i mean think about a funeral that you've been to of someone that you knew wasn't a christian yeah you don't exactly believe in hell in those moments you don't exactly talk about things in the same way in those moments when you're actually confronted with realities right when you're actually confronted with you know i think of the times that i'm confronted with um, uh, addiction-based deaths. You know, I lost mm-hmm. a, a friend who, who was a fairly close friend for a little while when we were in St. Louis. Um, shortly after we got back here, he had overdosed and mm-hmm. on, on heroin and, and died. And, and I have such a, you know, in those moments mm-hmm. when, when I'm calling and counseling with people there who are friends of this person, that our concept of hell changes. Mm-hmm. In those moments, when you're confronted with reality, when you're talking about skin and bones, real people, you start to realize, okay, the play doesn't hold water in my heart and in my mind. I can't bear it. Right. Because you know, well, first of all, you know that person. You know their heart. You know. I knew their pain. Yeah. And this was not a Christian. I want to say that. This is not a Christian we're talking about here. Not someone who was a believer. Um, This is someone that we're talking about who was just lived a life of pure pain yeah died at 25 or 26 i think Mm -hmm. he was something like that um never knew anything but addiction Mm -hmm. started using in his early teens basically never stopped yeah he's a friend of a friend from the church initially and we met him through that and and then eventually he overdosed and and in those moments you're just kind of like ah man i don't know the system is a little rigged isn't it like we weren't exactly handed the same kind of um, situation, and I'm not sure what I believe works in in light of that. 
Um, but anyways, so we, we've never talked about this publicly, uh, but I think maybe there is good reason to at this point. So uh, I think I have six reasons. Um, we're only going to do two of them today. Oh, yeah. But I think I have six reasons why I no longer believe uh, in, in the hell that we've just described you. And I've talked about them. So I think we could pretty safely say, like, these are six reasons we no longer believe mm-hmm. in God throwing people into the volcano mm-hmm. um, um, hell anymore. And later down the list, I mean, there's plenty of things that are thematic in the scriptures that I think are more important than specifics in the scriptures. Uh, later down the list, we'll even talk about the specifics of like, well, doesn't the Bible say that people get thrown into the lake of fire? Doesn't it say that? Like, that's number five or six on my list. It's 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 way less important, honestly, to me than even some of the earlier things, more, more thematic things. Um, and there's a reason for that, but we'll get to it whenever we get there. So here they are. First okay. two reasons. I think these are, like I said, a little more... Gets a yeah. little lighter here. Number one. Um, number one. That that kind of hell has no redemptive purpose. The volcano kind of hell. Volcano hell, yeah. Throw mm-hmm. everybody who um who doesn't believe into a volcano has no redemptive to burn forever. Restorative purpose. Yeah, to right. burn forever. Eternal conscious torment in hell. Right. To me has no redemptive or restorative purpose. Right. I think that's also important. Like, Well, you d- I mean, you didn't read the next sentence. Oh, oh, okay. Sorry. See if it's... The eternal conscious torment of people who never knew the love of God in this world is a punitive and vindictive idea that simply doesn't fit the overall redemptive, restorative, and good narrative of the scriptures as far as I'm concerned. Okay, you were saying something um, about... Well, I was saying something about hell, like... Just also what, I mean, I know we've already talked about this, like what we used to mean when we talked about hell, but like the volcano part, like, okay, yeah, but like we used, I used to think that if you went there, that you were alive Mm -hmm. the whole time. Awake, alive, yeah. Being tortured and tormented and burned for your, the rest of in your. Of infinity. uh, Yeah. Yeah, that's okay, exactly so just, how it was. Okay. Yeah. I just felt like we didn't really say that, but that's just true. in case. Yeah, no expiration that's what date. That's we're talking no about. No, like, yeah. It is punitive and, and vengeful, vindictive torture. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right, so that understanding of hell does not serve a redemptive purpose, only a vengeful or perhaps even spiteful one. Yeah. The Psalms, as well as most of the Bible, are full of songs of the redeeming nature of God. The people who know this God know that everything he do- ever does has a redeeming and restoring purpose. So I picked a few here. The, okay. the Psalms are full of this. Mm-hmm. The Old Testament's full of this. Um, much of the New Testament is full of this. Like Psalm seventy-eight thirty-five, they remembered that God was their rock. The Most High was their redeemer. Mm. Right? He has sent redemption to his people. He has ordained his covenant uh, forever. Holy and awesome is his name. So I'm, I'm essentially mm-hmm. saying if your version of hell has no redemptive or restorative purpose, but only a vengeful purpose, then your version of hell questions the nature of God as a redeemer. Mm. If hell doesn't redeem people. Right. So the idea that is that I'm hoping that makes sense because we're talking about sort of big concepts here. But um, if hell is punitive and vindictive and vengeful, 
and it's just eternally consciously tormenting mm-hmm. uh, human souls forever. Where's the redemption in that? Right. Where is the God who redeems and restores? Right. What's right. being set right by that? Redeeming is about setting things right. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of like, you know, if we punish our children in some way, we put our kid in time out for something. We don't just do it to get revenge, not in our best moments. Right, right. <laughs> not when we're yeah, being good parents. Not, right. <laughs> um, we're trying to teach them something. We're trying to right, help the them. The point is, yeah, you can't act like that in this world mm-hmm. or this world will be harsh to you. Right. You will hurt other people if you act like that in this world. It won't. The reason yeah. we punish is so that they come back different. Right. If we sent them to time out forever... Mm-hmm. If we give them a death sentence in time out, we are not we are no longer redeeming. No. We are no longer restoring as parents. We're being captors. We're being captors, we're being spiteful, we're being vengeful, mm-hmm. we're being vindictive. We're being evil. Mm-hmm. That is what that is the definition of evil. Mm-hmm. Actions that are taken without any redemptive or restorative goal. So this is where we say, like, okay, before we talk about the specifics of Scripture and, and how, you know, the word hell, anytime it appears in your Bible, doesn't mean what you think it does. Mm-hmm. Um, like, before we get into any of that, let's talk about the overall themes of the Scripture. And the themes of the Scripture is that God is a redeemer. Right. God restores things. God, when he makes things, he calls them good, and he works to make them good and works to make them better and works to redeem things that need redeemed and works to restore things that need restored. That's who God is. Right. And hell, as far as I'm concerned, eternal conscious torment in a volcano doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't fit the nature of God as relayed through all of the scriptures. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I want to see if you have something else in here that. Yeah, let's see. Uh, Right after the highlighted part. Okay. It doubts the God. It doubts the God revealed through the scriptures. And at the very least, it puts limits on the amount of redeeming God can do. God always works to redeem and restore. We the, have the limits thing, I think, was interesting to what I was just saying here. Like, it puts a limit on it. We're like, well, hell does, you know, God does redeem. He does redeem. He does restore. He does restore. And then he doesn't anymore. Right. That's what I was going to. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. yeah. That, that's if you want to say something to that, but that's what I was kind of getting at with the word limit. Yeah. No, well, I just, we never talk about God ever not redeeming. So yeah, why would it be any different? At what point does he give up and say, I'm done trying to redeem? Yeah. And was it, does he do it after, a, a after a 25 year old uh, overdoses on heroin right. and dies after a life of hell, after a life of torture and hell? Does he then say, well, I don't really do the redeem thing after a human dies on this earth. I don't really do that work. Hmm. Um, I stop becoming a redeemer the moment you stop breathing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Um, okay. The eternal punishment of most of humanity with no hope of redemption or restoration to God's love simply does not align with the overall story of the Bible. Paul, along with other New Testament writers, teaches that this redeeming and restoring nature of God never gives up and that ultimately all will know the redeeming nature of God through Jesus. 
Philippians 2.10. So when the name of Jesus is spoken, everyone in heaven and on earth and under the earth will bow down before him. And every tongue will say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Everyone will give honor to God the Father. Yeah. Did you mm-hmm. want to say anything about that? You had well, mentioned that I scripture. Had, You're yeah. the reason that scripture got put in there. Yeah. Um, well, just in our conversations up until this point about this, like how we were going to go about this series, um, I can remember. So the reason I, I brought the scripture up is because I can remember being a little girl. I mean, I was probably younger than when I was in Hell, Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. It was probably before that. Mm-hmm. Um my dad would go to different churches and preach. He was evangelist, I guess, is technically what he was. Um, and still is. And he, so he he had like a, a few different sermons that he would kind of rotate until, you know, right. like it was just. You're see, outing him here now, No, Megan. that's not a bad, it's seasons, <laughs> like different seasons <laughs> of kidding. like what he was talking about. So I heard this one a lot because <laughs> we would travel with him. But at some point in, in one of his messages of this particular sermon, it was um, talking about. Pilate. Yeah. talk. Thank you. Talking about Pilate and that one day Pilate would have to stand before Jesus and that his knee would have to bow and he would confess Jesus is Lord. Right. And so. Like when he would say that in those moments, it was like everyone would cheer and like, you know, shout him, shout at him, amen, you know, all of the stuff like and. But now thinking back, it's like, wait a second, I wonder if you like if we realize what we were talking about even then. Yeah. So what? Yeah, like, because the question becomes like sort because of cos- this. Yeah, ahead. no, go ahead. Well, like cosmically and sort of theologically. If Pilate dies, you know, after, you know, saying he washed his hands clean, but really, you know, playing a part in the murder of Jesus right. Christ of Nazareth, um, dies without believing that Jesus is the son of God. And then eventually bows his knee, like after death, somehow post-mortem, somehow in hell or in some yeah. Hades, you know, um, uh, what's the, the there's a Hebrew word for it too that that get that comes up a lot in the Old Testament, um, the, roughly translates the place of the dead. Like he's, Galgotha? he's no, no, he's no. he's somewhere in this this place that Sheol. Um, oh, yeah, he he's he's dead. Yeah, and at some point, as as the good bishop is preaching, mm-hmm. <laughs> bows his knee and declares Jesus his Lord, like Philippians chapter two prophesies. One day every knee will bow right. and the tongue will confess. What happens in that moment? Does Jesus not become his savior? Does Jesus not become his Lord, his redeemer, his restorer? Mm. Or does Jesus go down to visit people being tortured in volcano hell, having their skin melted away eternally right. in torment, make them bow, like make them quick confess. bow for me real quick. Yeah. Call me God and King. And, and then, then I'm going to head back up to heaven and leave you. Right. Or when you declare him Lord, do you then see things as they truly are and enter into heaven immediately? Right. Like to me, heaven is the acknowledgement that Jesus is Lord. Mm-hmm. It begins here and now. It begins the very moment you begin to understand that Jesus, that Christ is in all humanity, that Christ is permeating all things, and that the moment that you see heaven is here and now, 
and there and then, mm-hmm. you're in heaven. Right. And so I have no, uh, this eternal conscious torment with no hope of any kind of reconciliation, no hope of redemption, re- restoration, it does not align with the scriptures at all. And it seems to me that even a lot of people who, who preach this kind of stuff may not even see the little secrets that are hidden in there, the, the very things that you're like, you probably already kind of believe this. Mm-hmm. And we would like to right. give you some, right. we would like to give you some narrative and some, um, some words for what you believe, some theology for like, yeah, I don't, I don't think you really consider the, the enemy if loving, well, forgiving, If you believe that everyone will confess Jesus as the Lord. If you believe that every Jesus knee will bow and every Lord. tongue yeah. will confess. Then, which confess is not in this version. That's just the version I mm-hmm. I grew up knowing. Um, King James and the New King James. Um, yeah. Every knee will bow every tongue. That's the, that's yeah. the version we keep saying. We, right. we wrote something else here. It says just we'll say. This is maybe new. Every tongue will say, yeah. yeah. Um, if you if you believe that, yeah. then you, uh, can you really believe in the hell that we used to believe in? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, not I as eternal. Like, I, I still think, you know, and I don't know where I land on this, but I do think you could still have hell as a temporary, like, restoring and redeeming place. Like, right. the fires of hell yeah, yeah, being yeah. necessary for, like, well, if you die and you're full of sin and spiteful nature towards people and you do not profess the way of Jesus in your life whatsoever, well, you can't go to heaven like that. Right. You'll ruin it. Right. Um, so no, I know that. that. I'm that saying like the eternal. Purge, yeah, but the eternal conscious torment of all people has no restorative and no redeeming purpose. It is only vengeful and spiteful. There's no, yeah. Yeah, and I'm not sure, and it does not have any place in the scriptures. You just have to ignore Philippians 2, mm-hmm. 10. You have to ignore... Um, and Second Peter, I think, where Peter says that, uh, oh man, let me pull it up real quick because it's a really great passage. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Mm. Like, until when? Yeah. He never wants anyone to, to perish without coming to repentance? I don't think there's any reason. And, and let me just, you know, if you need some kind of validation for this, um, I think it's Martin Luther. Not Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> Martin Luther, the um, uh, oh man, this this lost me completely. I have no idea. What's that called in the 1500s? <laughs> uh, <laughs> where we started getting the Bible for the Protestant Reformation, the Great oh. Reformer, um, <laughs> Martin Luther actually believed in the idea of a a potential post mortem evangelism, is the phrase that he gave to us, like. <laughs> After people die, they still will have opportunities to confess Jesus as Lord. Hmm. Um, now, I don't know about that. I don't, yeah. I don't know what the... Yeah. But to some extent, it does seem thematically the idea of an eternal conscious torment being perpetuated by God seems to run contrary to the God of Redeemer, mm-hmm. the, the God who is a Redeemer shown all throughout our scriptures. That doesn't redeem. It doesn't restore. So that's why I don't believe in that volcano version of hell anymore right reason number one really yeah yeah um okay i'm gonna go on to the second reason yep uh the second reason we no longer believe in no longer believe in god throws believe that god throws most people in a volcano hell sorry that was (laughs) (laughs) um that theology of hell makes us think we're in while others are out Give me some time on this 
on why this point should really matter to someone who takes Jesus seriously. I'm going to get to that in just a second. Okay. I, want, I want to sort of say up front, like, okay, there's a reason that I phrase that the way it is. Like, this theology of hell makes us think we're included mm-hmm. and others are excluded. Mm-hmm. Now, that kind of thinking, any theology that is about me being in and others being out, should be alarming to people who know the life and ministry and teachings of Jesus. Mm. We'll get to those in just a minute. Okay. But before we even get to those, let's say a couple of other things about this idea. Okay. Um, This may be the biggest PR crisis the church has ever known. When I was a child, like most children, I loved people. I was fascinated and excited by being around people as much as possible. As I grew older, this theology of hell crept into the way I looked at people in every part of my life. I started seeing others as stupid, weak, temporary, rebellious, unclean, etc. I lost my wonder and love for people. I had developed a superiority complex. I believed I was included and most other people were excluded. God picked me for salvation and I accepted his choosing. It made perfect sense to me. Of course he'd pick me. And I thought anybody who didn't respond to the calls of the preachers in the same way that I did must be some kind of idiot. Is this familiar to you at mm-hmm. all? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like anybody that, did, well, I mean, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's they obvious. had their chance too. Yeah, they had their chance. Why wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm just sort of saying like, I was born loving people more, mm. finding wonder in people being curious about people, wanting to yeah, be around accepting people. Anybody. Accepting anybody. I mean, think about I like our kids. Embraced. Like yeah. our kids don't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Our kids do not have a concept of whether or not. And they don't, e- they don't even have the categories of like, should an LGBTQ person um, be allowed in our home? It's not a question they're ever going <laughs> to have to ask. It's already, it's already happened. It happens, right? <laughs> it's right. It's already, it's, it's the categories don't exist. This, this, who should I exclude question? Mm-hmm. We hope right. does not exist anymore. But my Christian faith taught me who to exclude. Right. My Christian faith taught me who was an idiot. Yeah. Who was stupid or weak or unclean. My Christian faith told me those people that you love and that you find interesting, and those people that you enjoy being around, you're not supposed to enjoy being around some of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those people that seem to be having a good time over there, they're not really having a good time, and if they are, (laughs) well then, their their penalty is coming for having a good time. That is essentially the narrative that I understood, Mm -hmm. that I took from a lot of it. So that's kind of what I was getting at with that whole passage there. Does that make sense, though? Yeah. Um, okay. Um, this one is tricky in the scriptures because the prophets and poets and the and apostles <coughs> uh, sorry, um, all have their own little superiority complexes from time to time. They all think of themselves as in while others are out. And that's just what the Bible is, you know. The Bible is just a lot of people who who think they're in while they think others are out. They're wrestling with their own faith. That's what's so beautiful about the scriptures. That it's, it's beautiful that, they, um, that they're just kind of working out their own faith with fear and trembling. Yeah. Um, but it makes it a little tricky and a little difficult. Like, you know, especially the Apostle Paul is the easiest target for this. He's, he sounds so full of himself from time to time. Yeah. He, he oh gets yeah. really, really hard to listen to. He, he has a superiority complex. Right. For sure. 
at times. He's also incredibly humbled and broken at times. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just sort of saying like, yeah, l- I, th- I think we got to be a little careful. Instead of risking missing the point of the messages of anybody else, I think instead we need to, as often is the case, look to Jesus to find the cure for this particular problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the thing is, Jesus has a lot to say to those who develop a theology that includes themselves while excluding others. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what Jesus is all about. Um, mm. He tells the story of a good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10 as a way of making the hero of the story the one that the religious elite would have called the enemy. That's yeah. the point that he's making. Yeah. Uh, that's a dangerous point to be making. People might kill you for that kind of thing. He warns in Matthew 25 uh, that those who call themselves his will be called unrighteous, and many who don't even know his name will be called righteous. Hmm. A good friend of mine talks about Matthew 25 by saying, at the great final judgment, everyone will be surprised by the results. And Matthew 25 hmm. is something that we re- revisit so regularly as, a, as Risen Church um, because I think it is the culmination of the entire ministry of Jesus. It's not one place in Scripture where Jesus says, you, you're going to be surprised who I include. Yeah. You're, you're going to be surprised that you thought this was all about who's excluded, and you're about to be surprised by who I include. I used to think it was like, that's a great moment for that. The whole story is that. That's all Jesus ever does. Jesus invites himself into the homes of an infamous sinner, you know, Zacchaeus, Mm -hmm. Luke chapter 19, to bring salvation directly to him. Someone who didn't ask for salvation, Jesus just said, hey, you, I'm coming to your house and I'm bringing salvation with me. In Mark chapter 2, he declares a man that everyone assumed to be cursed, to be forgiven, to the astonishment and admonishment of every religious person present. He doesn't say, hey, do you want to be forgiven of your sins? Mm. He turns to a man who is everyone assumes to be cursed because he's crippled. Right. That's what they would have. They they said, we know he sinned. We know his parents sinned. That's why he is a paralytic man. Mm -hmm. And Jesus looks at him and he says, son, your sins are forgiven. That kid didn't ask for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. He didn't show any sign of repentance. He's just like, well, I'm, a, I'm the redeeming type. I'm the restoring type, so I'm here to redeem and restore. I'm here to forgive. I'm here to tell you that you're good. He calls the religious elite a brood of vipers and rebukes them in Matthew 23 quite extensively, calling them hypocrites for, and this is a quote, shutting the doors of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. Hmm. You are hypocrites and a brood of vipers. Woe to you for, shutting, for trying to shut people out. For trying to decide who's included and excluded. Who's, yeah. Jesus' entire ministry should caution us against any theology that makes us think we're the included ones while they, others, are the excluded ones. Mm. That's the end of my rant. But I want to say it again. (laughs) Jesus' entire ministry should caution us. If your theology of hell is about who's included and who's excluded, the entire ministry of Jesus should caution us against any theology that makes us think that we're the included ones while others are the excluded ones. The theology of hell that we used to hold put us in the wrong camp as far as the story of Jesus is concerned. Hmm. We would have been the brood of vipers trying to shut the kingdom of heaven for others. Right. We would have been the religious elite saying, how dare you forgive someone that didn't even ask for forgiveness? Right. We would have been those standing with Jesus debating him as he says, no, the Samaritan, that's the good one. Mm-hmm. The one who believes all the wrong things from you. <laughs> the one so who's, crazy. A Samaritan is like a Muslim to us. Mm-hmm. 
Like yeah, to, yeah. To, to the Jewish people, it would it would be like a Christian and a, and a Muslim, mm-hmm. possibly. I think in American Christianity, that would be a, a fair comparison. That Jesus is like, you want to know who you want to know who really got it, who really understood the kingdom. You want to know which one of these was my child, was working for me, the Muslim mm-hmm. in the story. Boom! What you think now? <laughs> who's in? Who's out now? Yeah. That is all the reason I need to revisit my theology of hell. Because my theology of hell was all about who's included and who is excluded, and I'm included and they're excluded. And, they're, yeah. and that puts me in the wrong camp. Mm. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> you want to... Uh, I mean, we can read the last little bit of this. Yeah, I um, think this... In this, Yeah, I think this is important, especially for uh, Sunday, like the messages, but... Um, we have at least four other reasons we don't believe in the God who throw in the God. That <sighs> I'm struggling with this. In the God throws most people into a volcano version. Thank you. Of hell. We used to believe, but we would like to know your thoughts as well. We do. We want to hear from you. Yeah. Um, if you're listening to this, we want you to text us. Why you agree, why yeah. you disagree. Instagram. Uh, it's risenchurch.us on Instagram. Yeah. Um, if you don't have our phone numbers, you can send a direct message on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, you can email Drew at risenchurch.us, mm-hmm. Megan at risenchurch.us. We, we want to hear your thoughts about this stuff. And, yeah. and I'm sure there's questions. We did not say everything there is to say about this. We didn't address half of the scriptures that need to be addressed about this. We're, we're, right. s- we're devoting more time to it. But we do want to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Um, um, and as always is the goal of Risen Church, you don't have to believe the same things as us to belong with us. We don't have to agree to be family. Cults believe all of the same things about everything. (laughs) (laughs) Families disagree about stuff and then talk about it. Um, Today's conversation is meant to bring peace and joy into your heart. It is intended to fill you with more love for God and for people. All right. And this one more thing. Why are we talking about this, Drew? Why are we talking about this, Megan? Why is this even something that needs to be addressed? Why can't I just believe whatever I want to believe about hell? Well, theologies and practices that make us love God and love people less Mm -hmm. need to be dealt with. Hmm. That is the work of bringing heaven to earth. Yeah. And so I I would have to say at the end of the day, the theology of God throws everybody in a volcano hell that I used to hold made me love God less and made me love people less. Yeah. It made my faith exclusive. Yeah. Uh, and I know some people are like, well, that's the only reason I do anything that I do uh, that's good. And, yeah. I, and and we'll address that in future weeks. It's I not th- true. Uh, it's, it's not. It's, it's not, the not only true. Because I have heard that, like, I've had conversations before about that, too. Like, well, then what's the point? What are we of anything anymore? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's important, too, because yeah, that we'll took me a little while to. We'll get into that. And, you know, just just as a little teaser, you and I talked about this yesterday. Um, about how if you just think about everybody that lives on our block, yeah, that I don't I don't think there's a single Christian that I know of who lives on our block, um, at least not a very any vocal ones, and several of the people that I know that uh, that I would use as specific examples of people who have shown us the love of Christ, mm. who have been incredibly benevolent to us, incredibly oh, kind yeah. to us, incredibly sweet to us, are not Christians, mm-hmm. um, are either vocal atheists. Uh, we have neighbors who are Muslims. They they. And yet they show the love of Christ to us. And I think that mm-hmm. causes some real problems whenever yeah. we start to say like, well, wait a second. If you don't have hell to threaten people with, then people won't be good. It's like, mm, it's just not true. Though. Yeah. 
That doesn't hold water. Right. Now, I understand a lot of Christians may only ever behave properly because they're afraid that God will punish them if they don't, but that's a whole other can of worms and a whole other set of problems for another day. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And if that's you, that's fine. Let's get you a therapist. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we don't have to create more scary theology that aren't true and don't align with the character and nature of God for you. We just need to, you know, get you a therapist. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, that's good. Um, I have a question. Yeah. Do you brush your hair now? Do I brush it? Yeah. No. Hmm. You think I should? I was just curious because I know you, I mean, you don't really have to brush your hair when it's short. Like, you can't brush your hair when you have a short haircut. Yeah. But, like, now you have long hair. Do you, and I'm just curious if you brush it. I don't. Well, I brush it with my fingers. I use my finger combs. My finger combs. You should try brushing it. Really? What do you think is going to happen? It's a nice experience. I think it's going to look like horse hair. I brush it. <laughs> well, don't brush it if you have to go do something first. Test it out before like you go to bed or something. Please subscribe to this. Please send this to somebody and please send us a question. Thank you for your time.